You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Karen Gibis, along with Father Bryce Lundgren. We are live here at St. Matthew's Parish in Gillette, Wyoming. We are having a great show. We're, we're going to switch dioceses now. We're going to move from the Diocese of Cheyenne back to the Diocese of Rapid City. We have um, on the line with us Bree Edwards. Good morning, Bree. Good morning. Thank you so much for being on air with us today. Uh, we really do appreciate that you're taking time out of your morning to tell us about this special um, event that is going on. Um, can you, before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am a South Dakota native. My husband and I grew up in Spearfish. Uh, so we're high school sweethearts that have been married for 18 years. Um, and we have six kids. Five of them are living, uh, and we have a little guy that died when he was 10 months old. Um, we now live just outside of Rapid City, so kind of in short, I'm a cradle Catholic and a full-time mom and a part-time physician assistant, and then we also run a nonprofit organization in honor of our little boy that died. Yeah, that's beautiful, uh, Bree. And so yeah, Locke's Legacy is that organization, correct? Yes. And, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So when he died, we found pretty quickly that South Dakota, being as big and rural as it is, uh, it was really difficult to find resources to help support us in our grief. Uh, South Dakota didn't have a SIDS organization like some of our neighboring states do. And so with that, I found a lot of consolation and meaning and purpose in my grief by finding ways that we could carry on our little boy's legacy. And so with that, we created Locke's Legacy, which is a 501c3 nonprofit. And we have a threefold mission, uh, one, to help support grieving parents uh, after the unexpected loss of a baby, and then to to help promote some SIDS and safe sleep awareness. And then three, we get to use some of our funds to help uh, support some SIDS-related research. Yeah, wow, that's that's beautiful. Um, and what a, a needed ministry, I would think. I, the one the what, what kind of struck me as you were speaking there, and I kind of speak to it a little bit sometimes when I talk about, like, you know, redemptive suffering or something that, mm-hmm. um, like, Jesus didn't come to do away with suffering. He came to give it meaning, purpose. And I heard you say that in your talk a little bit. Could you speak a little bit about like what the meaning and purpose of the suffering you went through has been in your life? Yeah. Um, it's going to make me choke up a little bit to go there, uh, which is okay. Um, in that experience of his death, uh, really, I feel like it cracked my heart open to a place where I had room for suffering. Um, you know, the the loss of someone that we love is not a pain that we can fix or make go away. Um, that is a that is a pain to just to be encountered. And uh, with that, I have learned to be 
less afraid of that pain and I have a, a willingness and an, a, a been grace, I guess, with the ability to just be with people um, in their pain and their suffering that, that can't be fixed. And really in that, um, it's, uh, it's a mutual gift. It's, um, it's an honor for me to be able to be with people who are grieving so intensely. Um, but in every one of those encounters, it gives something back to me too. Oh, that is, you can hear the emotion in your voice and, and it's important that we, we recognize that this grief is, is real and that it's something that sometimes you know, it takes time to process this and that everyone heals at a different rate. And so to have a ministry that gives them this comfort and this hope that, you know, there is life after this, there is, there is healing, but it doesn't mean you have to forget your child or you have to, to, uh, I guess, heal right away. You know, it, it's a process. Can you, maybe some of our listeners, may, I'm hoping that everyone has heard about SIDS, but um, can you maybe tell us a little bit about SIDS and, of course, the importance of of safe sleep for infants? Sure. So SIDS stands for Sudden Infant Death Syndrome and is the most commonly known terminology for uh, those unexpected infant deaths. So it's, it's a tough diagnosis because... It's really a diagnosis of exclusion, meaning when every other possible cause of death has been ruled out, then those deaths will be labeled as a SIDS death. So um, basically it means that we don't know um, is, is really all, all you get from that SIDS um, label or the SIDS diagnosis. Uh, so with SIDS, one of the kind of leading hypotheses is a triple risk hypothesis. So meaning that there are three different pieces that come together um, when those deaths happen. So the first piece is you have an infant that's inherently vulnerable. Uh, there's still a lot of research to be done to understand exactly what and why and how those babies are at risk. Um, then it also, the second piece of that is that those babies are in a critical period of development. So 90% of SIDS deaths happen before a baby is six months old. Um, and most commonly they happen uh, when kids are between two and four months. Uh, so there's something about that, that age that puts them in a higher risk uh, phase of life. And then the third piece of that is the unsafe sleep environment. So those SIDS deaths are more likely to occur when, uh, when all of those pieces are overlapping. So I feel like safe sleep then is kind of a serenity, a serenity prayer in action. So, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So when we're talking about SIDS and safe sleep, I can't change if my baby is inherently at risk. I can't change that they are moving through a developmental period that puts them at higher risk. But the piece that I can change is their sleep environment. Um, so that's what we're talking about, that sleep environment. It's, I feel like it's important to note that 
an unsafe sleep environment is not a cause, but is a risk factor. Uh, and there's there's a difference between those two. Um, but so the the piece of that that we really can control that we can uh, manipulate to reduce a kid's risk of death is that sleep environment. So the best recommendations that we have for um, safe sleep is always putting your baby on their back to sleep. Um, I like to encourage parents because there are some, sometimes babies just don't sleep very well in that position and everybody's exhausted and kind of at their wit's end. Um, and that sleeping in that position sometimes takes practice uh, for a baby too. And so I just encourage parents to keep trying, um, even if it's not working on any particular day or nap, to keep trying, and babies do get more comfortable the more they practice that. Uh, the other piece of that is making sure babies are on a firm sleep surface that's free of any soft items, like blankets or pillows or bumpers or stuffed animals, um, there's something about that cozy, cuddly sleep environment uh, that's pretty sweet to see. And so uh, it's easy to kind of get get lazy about it or just, um, you know, en- enjoy the cuteness of the moment without really thinking about the risk that that poses to them. Um, and then another important safe sleep piece is to consider room sharing, but not bed sharing. So... It has been shown to reduce that risk of SIDS when babies are in the same room as their parents, but in their own sleep surface. Um, Breastfeeding and pacifiers and making sure we're not letting babies get overheated are all um, other pieces that help reduce the risk of SIDS. Uh, So let me put some numbers to it. Um, Babies who are sleeping in an adult bed are 40 times more likely to die in their sleep, which, you know, is, is a pretty substantial difference in, you know, the simple choice that we make as to where we lay them down for their nap. Um, sleeping with babies on couches or on armchairs or snuggled in adult beds, um, those are some of the highest risk places that, uh, that babies can sleep. And it's so natural. You know, that's, lots of, our second baby, and so I've had four others since then, and having, um, knowing what that loss is like, and, mm-hmm. you know, holding safe sleep important, you know, and it is a high priority, it's still, we're humans who are exhausted, and we have babies that don't sleep, and it's so easy to fall asleep on a couch with a baby, but just be aware that that is one of the highest risk places that, that we can have babies sleep. Uh, in so in South Dakota, between in those four years between 2015 and 2019, there are 99 babies that died in sleep-related deaths, and 70 percent of those deaths um, happened in unsafe sleep environments. So it's something that here, even especially in South Dakota, that we could do so much better in choosing uh, safe sleep environments for our babies. Wow. That that is a really I mean the statistics are just mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. That you know and to feel that that um I guess the, the the overwhelming I when I when you said that SIDS is that last thing that they 
they name when they can't explain anything else. I mean that that coupled with the statistics is pretty incredible to to I guess the importance of of the different you know this in safe sleep and and changing the environment and being diligent with with how you how you put your baby down to sleep. So, yeah. well, we need to take a break, Bree. Um, when we come back, we'll talk t- some more about um, the event that is going on. But um, right now, we uh, it'll just be a short break. So please stay tuned with us and as we continue our conversation with Bree Edwards. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together toward success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. Over, I was interviewed at one of the live dives and I stated that I had sold a pickup so I could have a car that had a good radio and so I could listen to Real Presence Radio on my way to work in the morning. It had so much static I couldn't, went under power lines and stuff, couldn't hear it most of the time. And it's just, for me... Going to work in the morning, it's just a good way to get my mind and my thought into what the day is going to present, you know, besides getting up in the morning and trying to cross myself every morning, dedicate myself to God, to start out hearing the news and the Catholic perspective in the morning at 6 o'clock and wishing I could, while I'm at work, I could be listening to more of Real Presence. Uh, But it starts your day and it gets you thinking right and it also, in listening to all the answers and, and all, the, all the shows, puts you uh, in the right mind. And The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Karen Gipas along with Father Bryce Lundgren. We are live here at St. Matthew's Parish in Gillette, Wyoming. We are talking to Bree Edwards from Locke's Legacy. Um, Bree, before the break, you were talking um, just in a very very personal way your struggles and and the things that you have you know you try to minister to the people the others and and establishing this locks legacy and and how important it is to have a support system in play for the grieving parents especially the grieving mom um but can you just would you be okay if i just ask how your husband and your children i mean i know you said you had four since lock died but how do they react to his passing 
Yeah, that's um, it's a big question, but it's a good one. Um, I think one of the important things for me to learn in the process is to remember that each person of our family and even our extended family has a, a unique grief experience um, based on their own personality and their own needs and their own obligations and their relationships um, with Lachlan. And so um, learning to give space to each of those grief responses for me to be settled and um, just okay with experiencing what I'm experiencing and then to also give my husband the space that he needs to experience and process his grief um, in the way that works for him. So it's a space for a lot of growth and a lot of forgiveness and a lot of communication and a lot of teaching each other what it is that we need in our grief and where we're struggling. Um, the space to be just open and vulnerable with each other um, and to put our hearts on the table um, is really the space of being able to work through that hard stuff together. Um, as far as my kids go, our oldest was two and a half when Locke died. Um, and so it's been interesting for him um, to process that grief as as a toddler and then developmentally as he grows and uh, gets to new places of understanding. Um, it's something that we have to kind of revisit from time to time to let him process that in new and bigger ways. Uh, but we have incorporated Locke into our lives. Um, that's one of the challenges of grief, I think, is to find a space in your family for the for the child that no longer lives in your house. Um, so all of the kids, all of the younger kids that weren't alive um, before Locke died, they know they have another brother and they call him by name and we include him in our prayers and his pictures are on the wall. And so they, they each have a unique space um, in their hearts for this brother that they never met. Uh, but a conversation that's always just an open door conversation at our house and um, if or when they have questions they know that they can bring those to us anytime hmm, that's, that's that's incredible yeah that's beautiful and I and I you know man it, it just really speaks to the heart of um, you know their notion of the the communion of saints the body of Christ uh, that, mm -hmm. um, even those who have gone before us are still with us and uh so I, I I just love the that reality that you shared there, and I and I guess um, we were talking about it a little bit earlier, but the value that hey I I've gone through this experience, and how effective that is then to relate to people that you're ministering to through this uh, Locks Legacy organization that I'm speaking from experience and how maybe how what value that is was for you and then what value your experience is to those that you're able to minister to. Yeah, that's something I learned very quickly after Lachlan died is that when I encountered other parents who had lost a child, they had a, just a different way of being able to engage in those conversations. And they were able to ask questions that other people seemed to shy away from. And they were able to hear my answers um, with a knowing nod, and you know, I could I could tell even just just by starting to try to explain what I was feeling, 
they knew and they nodded and they like they were emotional experiencing like reliving their own experience um so it was a connection um and that communion and that community um that just provided a safe space for for my grief um and a safe space for me to work through it and so that's in what we do with Locke's legacy um part of that is to help parents find um that network of connections of other people who have experienced a similar loss uh just knowing how powerful that shared experience can be uh as we try to navigate our way through that soul crushing grief well, the, I think the one thing about grief is that you may have thought you've worked through that. You may have thought that you've processed the pain and that you, you're functioning day to day and things are gone. But then it comes like a thief in the night out of the blue, in the night usually, and and just mm-hmm. sets you back. And you think it set you back when in fact it's probably not as as dramatic as you're thinking. And to have a support system in play to say, no, that that's actually a stage of grief and you're okay and this is fine, and this is what I went through, and mm-hmm. you are okay. I mean, I think that's yeah. so important to be able to have a support system to just, even just to validate that you're, what you're feeling is okay. To, yeah. you know, to experience that it's part of your, your unique process of, of healing. That, that knowing nod from somebody that's been there, that can, mm-hmm. it, it just brings so much reassurance to know that, even though I thought I was in a better place and now all of a sudden I'm not to have somebody nod and say, yes, like that's, that's what the grief (laughs) experience entails. And there's, there's so much, you know, parents, bereaved parents will say, oh no, I just, I feel like I'm crazy. I can't think straight. And like, I have thoughts going through my head that I never would have imagined. And, um, it's your whole world is, is, turned upside down and so just to have that reassurance that that it's okay that that's part of the process that it's normal that you're not crazy that you're grieving right Um, you're not crazy that's the important thing you're not crazy (laughs) right probably probably some of the best kind of spiritual advice i got one time was from an eye doctor and he said the best way i can help people to see is to help them to understand and like, yeah. so like his operas, people come in like, I think I'm going blind, you know, immediately I'm going blind. You're like, no, hey man, yeah. it's just a floater. Oh, okay. And, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the same, mm-hmm. same with us. Like, hey, no, that's normal. That's a normal part of the yeah. grieving process. It's a normal part of the spiritual life. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. It's, yeah. It's well, Bree, you, oh, go, no, go ahead. I going to add, add that there was, you know, it's just a tough thing because the loss of a child is so painful and it's so big and we so as a society we just don't know how to talk about that and so it's something that's not yeah. talked about very openly in most circles and um even people who have experienced it don't don't mention it in a lot of places um because the, you just you don't want to bring that that big downer to the group um and so yeah just having a safe space to to encounter yeah. that grief is important well Bree we have about two minutes left did you can you tell us about this run for their lives event because I think it's important that the listeners have 
um, and understanding that it isn't just, you, you guys aren't just helping grieving parents. You're out there in the community making this uh, awareness of this situations. Yeah. So we host two events, uh, the Run for Their Lives events. One happens in Spearfish on Mother's Day and one out of Harrisburg, South Dakota, uh, the second weekend of June. And it's a 5K run, walk, uh, and silent auction that gives families an opportunity to come together to remember their babies. Uh, We put kids' names on the back of the T-shirt and post pictures of them along the course. Um, And it just becomes a comfortable way for families to be together and create some community and support around that loss. That's so hard to talk about sometimes. Yeah. Um, Well, and I know if you're moving, walking, running, sometimes the conversation can just happen on a much gentler, in a much gentler way than if you're sitting there looking across the table from somebody. So I suppose even that is a good way for them to share. Um, Can you just tell our listeners where they can find more information about the Run for Their Lives events? Yes. And with that, while we're talking about events, I want to just call some attention to uh, we are doing a spiritual retreat for grieving parents. Uh, So I've partnered with Young Ismo, who is the Mm -hmm. mom that created the Children's Memorial Garden out at Terrasanta. And so we'll be doing a weekend uh, grief retreat for bereaved parents uh, the last weekend of July. So it's July 30th to August 1st. Um, And that, so all of that information, the race information, what we're doing with Locke's Legacy, um, the held retreat, all of that information can be found on our website, which is org. So it's L-A-C-H-S-L-E-G-A-C-Y dot org. Thank you so much, Bree, for sharing your story and for helping all of these grieving parents around our area. We, we do appreciate it, and we will keep you and your family in our prayers. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, up next... Which of our priests is getting the donuts this week? Father Bryce just won the Deccans not so long ago, so we're going to find out which priest gets the donuts this week. Stay tuned as we find out who that is in our next segment here on Real Presence Live. <laughs> 